Welcome to AYNE. Are you not entertained? This is Louis Mercedes. Welcome, listeners, to Marvel Retrospect Entry Number Three Iron Man 2, directed by John Favreau. It was released in 2010, only two years after its predecessor, and uh, it's definitely one of the more bloated entries in the MCU. Too many characters, too many subplots, but it's still still a mildly enjoyable entry into the Iron Man series and into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm going to be joined along with Keote Howard of Scriptly Adapted and D'Angelo Smith. We're going to reflect on Iron Man 2 and all its missteps and how it could have been a much better movie than it actually was. So without further ado, those guys are going to come on and we're going to shoot the breeze about Iron Man 2, Marvel Retrospect in the house. Yo, 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 what's up? Yo, what's good? What's good? What's up, D'Angelo? How's your week been? It's been all right, man. You know, not too bad. I can't complain. How's your week been, bro? It's been pretty good. I had a great weekend last weekend, but this week has been awfully busy. And I'm a little, little, little bit congested because of the allergies. Um, the weather over here has, has gotten really humid the last couple of days. It's like, it's, it's what, 10 o'clock right now, central time, and it's still 80 degrees. So yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> every, now, every now and then it clogs up my sinuses. Ah, copy, copy. But you know what? I'd rather deal with that than shitty cold New York weather. Oh, man. Like, you know, what are you telling, man? Like, it's weather been so up and down. You know, we had two days where it was like, seven, you know, high 60s, 70s. Everybody lost their mind wearing shorts and, you know, everything. And then, like, Sunday hits and then right back to, you know, low 50s. And the whole week has been like that. <laughs> yeah, my, my father was telling me. And. That's one of the so, things I don't miss about living in New York is that inconsistent up and down weather that Mother Nature always tends to give New Yorkers. Like, especially around this time of year, April, May, even even June in, in certain cases where you'll get like a day or two, maybe even a full week of beautiful 75 degree weather. And all of a sudden it'll drop down to like 40. What kind of sense does that make? Yeah, it it I don't know, bro. Like, you know, they peg, you know, in certain certain cases they say, oh, you know, we have a storm coming, so you know, we're catching the cold front from the storm or whatever, but that's yeah, that's usually it's been consistent in the sense that by the time, you know, we don't get like actual a break in weather until like mid-May, early June in certain cases. <laughs> like it, it's it's absurd. Yeah, well, you would love it here because in Texas, well, it's it's been atypically cold uh, this year, even for uh, Texas standards. But um, it's for the most part, you would like it here as far as the climate is concerned, because we only get like about two months tops of of really cold weather, even and, and probably not even. I would say like yeah. December, January, and maybe early February are your cold months. But after that, it's like 
pretty much spring. Yeah, between you and my my cousin, like you guys been selling me on as far as, you know, the temperature is concerned because, you know, me and him talk on Marco Polo like every other day or so. And, you know, he recently, you know, relocated out there, you know, last August or whatnot. So he's been telling me about like, you know, the 80 degree weather and stuff like that. Like, and he feels the same way as you do. Like he don't miss New York mainly for that reason, that, you know, inconsistent weather. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> all right well without further ado we're, we're still waiting for Kyoto to join us but i'm gonna go ahead and get it started ladies and gentlemen ayne are you not entertained lewis mercedes d'angelo smith Kyoto howard we will be doing the third installment of marvel retrospect and this installment is dedicated to iron man 2 which was released in 2010 two years after the first two films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Once again, directed by Jon Favreau. And fun fact, it was written, the screenplay was written by Justin Thoreau. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But yes, the the now uh, ex-husband, I don't know if they're officially divorced, but now the the former spouse of Jennifer Aniston and the star of the HBO series, The Leftovers. Which is a show, I haven't gotten into that show, but trust me, it's on my list of shows to get into. I heard nothing but good things about it. Like, it's definitely up in the the upper tier of shows that I have to, like, you know, start, like, right away. And on a, a, you know, a quick side note, The Leftovers, for me, personally, I I couldn't get past the first five, six episodes when it came, when it first came on. Uh, You know, I tried to stick with it. It wasn't very exciting. Um, it just didn't – it couldn't hold my attention all that much, and I wasn't really invested in it all that much to actually continue with it through the rest of the season. But from my understanding, the show was incredible after that first season. Like, the second season, it, supposedly that finale is, like, one of the, the best-written finales of all time as far as television is concerned. And I heard that third season was really good, too. So who knows? Maybe I'll go back and revisit it one day. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, because I remember that conversation because, um, you know, our friend Kevin, you know, another close friend of ours, he, I remember he was really excited about the show. And he was, you know, he was the one who asked you, like, yo, did you see The Leftovers yet? And you pretty much said the same exact thing. Like, you couldn't get past, like, the fifth and sixth, like, five or six episodes or whatnot. Yeah, it was it was all right, but it was it was a nice yeah. reminder of when I saw the opening credits for Iron Man, um, not the opening credits, but when I when I saw the the credits at the end when it said that the screenplay was written by Justin Theroux, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's either Theroux or Theroux, because it's one of those one of those French Canadian names with the O U X. Weird, but uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. My bad. I was gonna, I was getting ready to cut you off and start rambling on. Oh, I was about to say, I think it's you know, I, I think it's Thoreau or whatnot. But again, you know, who knows? That that R U X is you know, it's kind of deadly on you know certain last names and stuff. <laughs> yeah, let me let me send. I think I need to resend Kyoto another uh, another link. But I, I'm sending him another link. Hopefully, he, he joins us pretty soon. But anyway, so Iron Man 2, 
right off the bat, I think it's we can all agree on the fact that Iron Man 2 is an inferior film to the original. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I to- totally agree. Like, I have... <laughs> yeah, you totally agree. Yeah, this is, as in most cases, it's a-, a sequel that doesn't live up to its predecessor. And I've always had a mixed reaction to this movie because it is a fun film to watch. If you're not comparing it to the first Iron Man, it, it's it's a fun movie if you, you know, a fun sense of escapism. And overall, but if I had to give it a letter grade, I would give it like maybe a C plus. I would say like a C plus and a B minus if I'm being generous. Um, and, you know, we'll get into to all the other reasons and, and points as to why I, I give it such a low grade as far as letter grades are concerned. But it's 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 an enjoyable movie. It's not terrible. It's, it's actually not as bad as most people say. Like most people that I ask, they're like, "Oh, Iron." The only good Iron Man movie was the first one. Like the second one sucked. The third one I didn't really like. So this the second one is really not that bad. It's just I feel like it tries to cram a little too much into uh, a two hour span, and it doesn't. I feel like it's a little all over the place. Like there's too many subplots and things like that. But what's your letter grade? If you had to give it a letter grade. Um, yo, we're pretty much, you know, on the same speed as far as letter grade. Like I would give it a, you know, between a, a, a C plus and a, a B minus. And, you know, again, it, the first, you know, the first Iron Man, you know, that was an easy A. This one, it just lacked in, you know, certain, you know, the plots were all over the place. And it just, you know, it lacked that that overall charm that the, the first Iron Man went, that the first Iron Man had. Like, it was just, like you said, I felt like they, you know, they seen how successful the first one was and they were like, okay, we got we to gotta repeat. We got to do the, the second one just the same. And they kind of just put too many things into it. Like, whether it was introducing, you know, new pivotal characters for... Marvel films or just the way they went about like certain things. It was just, it was like too, it was all over the place. It wasn't cohesive enough, you know, in my opinion. Absolutely. My problem with the whole introduction of the Marvel's, the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe was that it kind of left me with mixed emotions. Like I'll get into it a, a little later in the episode, but when Nick Fury and and Black Widow revealed themselves as part of Shield, and uh, they're trying to help Tony uh, figure out his whole arc reactor problem because he's literally dying. And I thought it was cool because they're obviously setting up towards the Avengers, and I I thought it was it was a great moment if you're a comic book fan. But at the same time, yeah, I wanted more of an Iron Man film and less of a promotional tool for the Avengers. You know, I, if it was going to be Iron Man 2, then let it be Iron Man 2. I felt like this film was more like Iron Man and Friends. You know, that that's that's what it really yeah. felt like. Iron Man and Friends or, you know, pre-event, the pre-Avengers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, because it's like, yeah, it, it took away from, you know, 
the whole Iron the Iron Man film, you know, it was it was like you said, it was dope, you know, introducing these, you know, pivotal characters, you know, and but again, it just took away from like, you know, it didn't Iron Man didn't get to be Iron Man because, you know, because of that. Like, yeah, we are you know, comic book fans, we appreciate Nick Fury, Black Widow. It played such a, a big part in the, the film, but it took away, you know, from Iron Man, you know, yeah. Yeah, and the thing about the this movie is when you try to when you try to explain the plot, the overall premise of Iron Man 2, you're more than likely gonna have a a, a a, a paragraph long synopsis of what the film is is about in terms of plot because on one hand it's about Tony Stark trying to find a cure for his heart and and, and resolving that issue of the the arc he's basically running out of that element from the arc reactor that keeps his his heart yeah. sustainable his heart rate sustainable and and then on the on the other hand, you have Mickey Rourke, whose character Ivan Vanko, whose whose father has ties to Tony Stark's father, Howard Stark, and he's yeah. just feeling very malicious towards him, and he wants he he wants to pretty much vanquish Tony Stark and, and Stark Industries. But then when you go further into the plot, then Sam Rockwell comes into the play as Justin Hammer who wants to team up with Ivan Vanko because he has a vendetta, a little bit of jealousy uh, against T uh, Stark Industries. And, and then you have the whole Nick Fury, Black Widow, S.H.I.E.L.D. business. So this film is literally all over the place in terms of plot. What's up, Coyote? I, I heard you finally joined us. What's going on, fellas? What's going all on, right. man? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, we were, we were thinking that it was just going to be us two. Uh, for a second. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my bad. My bad play. You know, try, <laughs> try to, you know, trying to hook up to this thing. Uh, anchor, anchor didn't send my, email. I check yet. So I'm just looking to make sure, uh, <laughs> just see, making sure this was working. You know what I'm saying? That's all. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good. We were just, we were just, we were just getting into it actually. How, uh, we both give it a, each a letter grade of like a B minus slash C plus because, it feels less of an Iron Man movie and more of an Iron Man and Friends movie yes. with subplots and characters. Too much, too much going on. What letter grade would you give it? Uh, there was a lot going on in the movie, man. I, I would give it, it, to be honest, it was one of my least favorite Marvel movies. I can see um, that. I, I, give it a, yeah. I give it a C. Um, okay. If I had to give it a, a letter grade, I'd give it a C. I, I hate it. Hated uh, Mickey Rourke. I just, hated I just, I just didn't like him, man. I didn't like Mickey Rourke, man. He didn't do anything for me. I just thought, yeah. I, and he, and his face just, I don't know. He just, I didn't like him. You know, I, I just didn't like him, and it did a lot, to, and it took me out of the movie for a minute. But um, other than that, I mean, I, I really enjoyed seeing, you know, Don Cheadle, uh, you know, take over. For uh for for Terrence Howard, um I thought that was I thought that was a good choice, uh, because this is where we find this is this is Don Cheadle's first one, right? This was his yeah. This is this is his introduction into the MCU. Yeah. Yep. So I definitely enjoyed him. I thought he was solid. Um, 
so I, I for that reason I, I didn't give it lower. I gave it a C because yeah, it I just Mickey Work was just I don't know. He didn't he he didn't do anything for me. I just didn't care about him. You know, yeah. that's that's funny because that's one of the points that's one of the talking points that I had for this episode. Well, we might as well just continue with the Mickey Rourke thing. Mickey uh, yeah. Rourke, this is he's okay at this point when the film was released, he's two years removed from his most critically acclaimed performance for Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler, which is a right. great film. Right. And he was nominated for the Oscar, won the Golden Globe, yada yada yada. So that's the that's the primary reason why he was he was cast because you know he was on a somewhat of a hot streak. Yeah. But I kind of think that Mickey Rourke was miscast. Because his performance is almost laughable. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. And you know, at the time, I was like, oh, he, he plays a pretty good Russian guy. But when I watched it again all these years later, I said to myself, mm, there's something off. Right. I don't know if it's because he's not enjoying the character or he he's just phoning it in because he just wants the big paycheck. I don't know. But there was just something off about Mickey Rourke and this character. It, I don't know if it was the writing. I I, I just don't know. It, it just he comes across as I don't know, like kind of I don't want to say awkward, but he kind of it's almost as if Mickey Rourke is selling Mickey Rourke short in, I in totally this role. I understand where you're coming from, man. That 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 was another reason why I didn't like Mickey Rourke, dude, because I, I didn't feel like I felt like he was trying to be Russian. Like I, yeah. I felt like he was. I felt like it was more. It just wasn't natural, you know. I mean, listen, it's not natural. I mean, you're an actor, right? You're gonna have to figure out a way how to portray this character. You could even do something crazy with it. I don't know, but with him, it because he was such on a hot streak, like you said, Lewis. I think he. I think they forced the role on him, or uh, hope that he could deliver, but 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 it was just probably way over what he could do. And what they were trying to accomplish, um, it just it didn't feel right. Like you said, it was it felt awkward. It felt I don't know. It just he didn't he didn't feel menacing to me. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't feel yeah. like he didn't feel like a challenge or, or 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 an obstacle for Tony Stark. At least that's what I got from it. Yeah, he didn't. Well, what do you what are your thoughts, D? Uh, I mean. Yeah, he was definitely a, a miss for me. Like, you know, The Wrestler was amazing. Like, I def- I really enjoyed that film. And, you know, I can see, you know, the the studios and everyone flagging him down and telling him, like, yo, we have the perfect role for you. You know, we, we see that you're on this, this, you know, this high from, you know, doing such a great film prior. You know, we want you to be a part of this. But his role in, you know, Iron Man 2, it was, it's easily, easily forgettable. Like, yeah. Like one of the most easily forgettable villains, like because you know he because he was kind of awkward and you know he was trying like and it's kind of crazy to me because if you really like you know think about it like he didn't really have a lot of lines in the film so he did a lot of grunts here you know some actors there said some things in Russian but he never really had like you know a solid like you know solid lines where we can really feel that he's menacing or he's the bad guy. He, you know, he was just kind of just there to be there. You know, hey, you know, they tried to paint him as, you know, Tony's rival because he knows the arc reactor technology and stuff like that. But 
yeah, he was he was pretty pretty laughable and pretty forgettable, honestly. Yep. Yeah, it, it, when it's all said and done, if I had to make a list of the top MCU v- villains, he definitely ranks uh, on the on the bottom tier, like right. for sure. Yep. As a matter of fact, Sam Rockwell was way more enjoyable. I mean, he wasn't any more menacing than and Ivan Vanko, but he was uh, so much more enjoyable than, than Mickey Rourke in this Oh, it, it kind of went silent. I thought everybody got cut off. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> See, we, we're already we're already anticipating that we're going to get kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me not jinx it. I don't have any wood around me, but you know, not, not knock on wood, but uh, we're going on fucking almost twenty minutes, and we haven't been cut off yet. So so far, so good. <laughs> You know what? There might be a correlation. I'm thinking this whole time it's my fault because usually I record episodes in the house. But since uh, we've transitioned Tate into his his own bed and his own room, like now I'm I'm recording in the truck, so I'm outside. Oh, oh nice! <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, I apologize for all those previous episodes. All these months, it's been my fault. <laughs> this may be the new studio space, man. This may be the <laughs> yeah. This is this is the new studio space, and it it blocks out all the excess noise. I, yeah. I'm perfectly fine with it. <laughs> nice. Let's let's go into Don Cheadle for for a little bit. Uh, Don Cheadle right. as as uh, James Rhodes, aka War Machine. He had more on screen chemistry with Tony Stark. Than Terrence Howard did in just five minutes of screen time. Yeah, just five. That 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 little five minute scene, or however long it lasted, when they're uh, at a Senate hearing, I yeah. I love the, I just love the dynamic between them as actors, not as characters, but as actors. Like I just, it just felt so much more natural. Yeah, like Ter- totally. it, it just affirmed how much Terrence Howard sucked in the first movie. <laughs> to- totally agree, dude. I mean, uh, first off, Don Cheadle is a ten times way better actor than Terrence Howard. That's one, oh yes, right? yes. We're talking, we're talking, you know, uh, we're talking way better skill uh, execution with the character. Like you said, I mean, way more chemistry, and that just comes from understanding the characters in general. So, like Don Cheadle, understanding who James Rhodes is, who War Machine is, and understanding his relationship to Tony Stark. And, you know, act- actors take that and they build upon that to create this character that you're going to see on screen. And I think he totally nailed it. Um, the, uh, Terrence Howard's just, he just didn't, Terrence Howard was just, uh, once again, a known name, uh, pretty well known at the time and they threw him in the role that he should have been in the first place. That's what happened. Similar to what happened to Mickey Rourke. So yeah. Don yeah. Cheadle, I mean, listen man, he he is war machine to me. He's been war machine obviously. Um way more chemistry, just a better overall actor actor. And and you you, you believed him. You you believed their relationship. You believed it. Um and, and that's what I got from him. Yeah, yeah totally. those those are great points. Uh, uh, what about you, D? 
I mean, I know we we pretty much share the same sentiments because we <laughs> we we went to go see Iron Man two uh, in the theaters as well, and we just kept on raving about how Don Cheeto was such a a much more suitable fit. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Lucid, Lucid Lion wasn't it, man? Yeah. He, yeah, he did his thing, man. Like, cause for me personally, when you know, sometimes I have an issue. Like, I kind of I'm on the fence when you know certain characters, like certain characters in films, are like switched because of whatever reason, a falling out or whatnot. So when I first heard about it. I was just like, okay, I mean, you know, Terrence, he sucked, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, Don Cheadle can do, you know, he's going to do way better for the role. Right. So, but, you know, I was like, I have to see it. So when I actually seen it within the those first few minutes, like, I felt, you know, he was James, James Rose. He was roadie. Like, he, he did the role complete justice. He, like, he, he changed it. Like, he made, you know, people interested in like you know seeing him as you know as war machine plus like because yeah T- terrence howard he just he just wasn't it man like you know he got lucky you know he he got lucky the movie did great you know and it wasn't because of him right. but because he feels like the film did so great you know oh yeah, yeah i need to give me more money or whatever the case was but that's one of the best decisions they made was, you know, cutting him from the, the thing altogether. Yeah, absolutely, man. And for the and for and to think that Terrence Howard walked into the studio office and demanded an astronomical amount of money, like yeah. demanded something. I, I don't even know the number. I, I want I, something. I, what maybe twenty million of film or something like that. something crazy. Demanded mm. that much money, and he sucks. Anyway, like he's just a bad yeah. actor in general. The only thing Terrence Howard was good in was that uh, that Michael Jackson biography story. Uh, the, I don't know if anybody ever saw it. It's called American Dream, and it's like oh, six, yeah, yeah. it's like six hours long, and he's playing one of the Jacksons, and that's legit the only thing he was ever good in. Like he, he I, he's just so overrated to me, man. I, I have a real problem with Terrence Howard, as you could tell. Real problem. <laughs> like, like in in that like that movie in particular, Jackson Five American Dream, he actually had showed like acting ability. Acting he had ability. acting chops. Exactly. Yeah. Everything else that he plays, I'm telling you, like he plays the same three characters. Like the yep. same three characters. Him going in yelling and demanding for money, like more money. That's something Lucius Lyon would do. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's so true, man. Yep. That's a Lucius Lion move. That's a Lucius Lion move. Man, if I were to just close my eyes for a second, take a step back and envision Terrence Howard in the following movies. Iron Man 3, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> man, man. man. I, I just cringe. Yeah. Like it is, it is really cringeworthy to think that he would have been part of. Uh, he would have shared the same universe with such a, such an ech- echelon of actors. Yep, you know, he would have got lost. He would have been lost. Like yeah, he been lost. every like, 
it would have been lost in all of those roles. Like everyone will have their top favorite, you know, characters, their favorite scenes and stuff, but no one would everyone probably will all unanimously decide, like, yeah, one machine was we don't really care about him. Like he wasn't he didn't really do nothing for me. But everyone else though, like, yeah, he would just kind of just creep by, you know, doing the bare minimum almost because everyone would be doing so amazingly well that the whole audience, everyone is focused on them. Yep. So he would just he would have just crept by. Yeah, he, um, it it would have been the one time where that character War Machine or you know James Rhodes that it would have been that one time where it would have been no one would have cared like you like like D said like no one would have really cared you know yeah. in, in the Marvel universe everyone there you know fans and and people who watch these films have favorites of course but yet yeah. you still remember even the little characters like you still remember them. And yeah, I think yeah, if true. I think if Terrence was in it, um, no one would really care about him, even though he's playing such a pivotal role. You get what I'm saying? Like, no one would really bother to say, "Oh yeah, man, War Machine was awesome." Like, or Terrence Howard played the hell out of that role. No, 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 no. <laughs> no one would say that. No one would. Say yeah, I, I I can't see that either. But you know who? Sam Rockwell going into roles and and like perfect fit. Sam Rockwell was really perfectly cast as Justin Hammer. Mm. He just comes across as he's just having so much fun with this role. Yeah. I mean, Sam Rockwell is just pretty much flawless in these kinds of comedic black comedy kind of roles. Yeah, three, um, three billboards, for example, right? Yeah, yeah, and even Seven Psychopaths and films like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he he just seems like he's having a blast, and I'm having a blast watching him. Yeah. Um. You know, it's. I don't know if if initially when I watched the movie, I was just like, man, this Justin Hammer character is so fucking annoying. I don't know if it's Sam Rockwell uh, <laughs> as as the actor, or if it's just, you know, that's the the way they, the the, the character is supposed to be written. But I really enjoyed every scene he was in, and you know what's awesome. Just when you thought that Justin Hammer was a character and Hammer Industries, just when you thought that that stuff was all forgotten about, it comes up again with Luke Cage. Mm. Like several years later, uh, if if you guys seen that first season of Luke Cage, Hammer Industries provided the weapons that the antagonists use uh, oh, against okay. Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, and I was like, oh, shit, that is a great Easter egg because everybody – Everybody done forgot about Justin Hammer and Iron Man 2. Because, like, that was six years removed. And, you know, Iron Man 2 wasn't the greatest movie in the world. So I like how, in hindsight, Justin Hammer actually played a, a more important character than we realized. I totally didn't. Yeah. I didn't even know that, man. I didn't. You know, I tried to give. I tried to get Luke Cage a try. I just failed at it miserably. Not that it was good, but. Um, I just didn't. I I wasn't invested enough, and I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back and go back into that. But yeah, man, listen, Sam Rockwell, the guy, the guy's great. He he's that off the wall. You could put him in these like uh, obscure like type of a uh, uh, of, of roles. He could play the dark comedic, uh, the dark comedic type, um, and still give you a little bit of like some seriousness behind the character. Um, I, I thought he was, I thought he was fine, man. I thought he's better than, I thought he's better than the Mickey Rourke. Um, 
Oh yeah, for sure. Way better than Mickey Rourke. You cared a little more about his character um, and yeah. what he was trying to do, and uh, he had you. And and that's just what Sam Rockwell does, man. He's very good. He's very good, very underrated in a lot of things he does. And even in a small role like this, he still was able to kind of like kill it and make you care about his character. So um, I enjoyed him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he he may not he may no longer be underrated just because of no, the fact that he's not. he's yeah. in, he's an Oscar winner now. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and I, I like all the – he made the scenes with Mickey Rourke all that much more enjoyable. Right. Like, especially when when, when uh, he's asking about his bird, he's like, you know, oh, I, I don't do work for you. I want the bird. I want my bird. <laughs> That's pretty damn good, Lewis. I got to tell you. That was actually, <laughs> that was, that was that actually was better than Rourke. That was actually better. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> that was way better than Rourke, man. Yeah, maybe it's because I had too much vodka before doing yeah. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding, folks. Just kidding. Just kidding. I had whiskey instead. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, then Sam Rockwell just his facial expressions. He's like, "Wait, what do you mean? We 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 got you your bird. We got you your bird. This is your bird. We went all the way to Russia. We got you. This isn't this. You wanted a bird? Like, no, not my bird." You know, and then that, that their dialogue, their their scenes were just great, man. Yeah, absolutely. Those 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 were some of the more entertaining aspects of the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, uh, definitely entertaining. Um, like I said before, you nailed you nailed that. Uh, you nailed it right there. That was pretty. <laughs> that was pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sam. Once again, I mean, I. You know, Lewis, out of, like I mentioned, man, out of all of the out of all the Marvel movies, this is probably in my top five sort of like forgettable, forgettable films. And um, I only I only remember and and care about pieces of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it didn't. Because I I don't know. I just it, it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel it didn't feel anything like the first one. Um, and I feel like out of all three, obviously, this is probably the one that stands out the most as far as uh, caring about what's happening with the characters and, you know, everything that's going on with the introduction of of, 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 of Don Cheadle. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was just, I don't know, just didn't, just didn't care about it, man, that much. Didn't care. Well, let's let's get into the characters and, and whatnot, because we we've we've. We haven't really gotten into Tony Stark's uh, uh, story arc, no mm-hmm. pun intended, because right. it's, it's dealing with the uh, the arc reactor and whatnot. Um, and you still, I don't know about you, but I, I still liked Robert Downey Jr. I mean, of course, he was just born for this role. Now, of course, the film doesn't have the same type of charm that the first one does, but I still heavily enjoyed Tony Stark and his antics and his persona. And I actually, you feel empathetic for him because he wants to do good and he knows that he's dying, but the only way he could suppress it before discovering that, that new element is through alcohol, mm. you know, yeah. and alcohol, that, that subtle subplot of alcoholism. It, it's, it's a major arc for 
the Iron Man character in the comic books. And I, I'm glad that they they didn't explore it enough, in my opinion, but they they played around with it in this movie, which I, I appreciated because right. drunk Tony at the party is just like hilarious. That yeah. was one of the best scenes in the entire film where he's just like drunk off his ass. He's pissing off Pepper Potts. He's flirting with women. He's destroying everything. And then that's when 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 Rhodes has to come in uh, mm-hmm. with the armor, and then they they have their fight. Uh, that was that was pretty amusing, if 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 uh, you ask me. But yeah. that yeah. that that transitions into Nick Fury and how they meet at at the donut shop, where Nick Fury is telling him, you know, I got bigger things. To do, uh, especially uh, in the Southwest region, I have I have bigger things to take care of than to clean up your mess and, and your antics. Like you, you let your girl run your company, and you're you're literally dying, and you know that you have the key to solving your heart issues. And he he pretty much this is like the scene where somebody else is putting in uh, more stock into Tony than what he believes in him himself. Essentially, mm. but the thing that I was discussing before you you came on with with D'Angelo was this was sort of a double edged sword. How they implemented Shield and Nick Fury and Black Widow, and then obviously Agent Coulson returning. Yes, yeah. it was it was a double edged sword. Why? Because okay, on the positive side, it was great fan service because we got to see Nick Fury, we got to see Shield, and we got to see those characters in this Iron Man universe actually acknowledge other bigger things out there in the world um, as far as possibly other villains, other heroes, you know, this, that, and the third. So that was cool. Now, the negative aspect of it is it's already, this film is already crammed with subplots and this just adds unnecessary layers to it and it detracts from the Iron Man story aspect of the film Mm -hmm. and you're getting too much uh first of all nick fury only had well samuel jackson only had about a couple of minutes of screen time because he doesn't appear in the film after that the donut shop and then when he drops off that box yeah uh at stark enterprise but he doesn't appear in the film after that so it was was pretty much a glorified cameo that that's what i got from it and black widow yeah she, she was great scarlett johansson is great and she kicked ass as Black Widow, but did we really need to see her in Iron Man 2? I guess subsequently, if you think about it, yes, because that means that in the Avengers, her character didn't really need to be explored because you kind of already knew who she was. But I just felt like it, w- yeah. it was just a little too much, in my opinion. It, it kind of it, it crammed Iron Man 2 more than it needed to be. Go go ahead, D. You got. It. Yeah, um, I totally agree, man. Like it was a, it was a lot of moving parts. Oh, and like you know, I. Yo. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, D. Um, that that was a record. We went. That was a record. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Oh, that was God. good. That was awesome. But, um, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah um, to back to what I was saying, I was saying that um, yeah, with this it was like 
a lot was going on. Like um, there was a lot of moving parts and, you know, every subplot, you know, they were going their own trajectory. So it was almost impossible for everything to be like, you know, cohesive, like, you know, everything was going, you know, we had this going on, you had this happening, Nick Fury, Black Widow. It was just like, I feel like they, they put, they could have like, you know, I don't know, maybe spaced out certain things and maybe put it into another film or, you know, change it up and put it in the next film that was supposed to come out or something, something to that effect, because it's just like, it was too much going on. It was too, too many parts and, you know, it wasn't cohesive enough or either that, or they should have made, you know, Iron Man like 20 minutes longer, Iron Man right. 2, 20 minutes longer, but yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. I, 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 I think, uh, I think Favreau was on the on the uh, idea that he had to fill the movie in with a bunch of a bunch of things to kind of move the 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 stories after the Iron Man films along. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I, I, you know, he yes, he was the director, but you know, at the at the end of the day, mm-hmm. maybe this is something that Marvel wanted. Maybe maybe they they were like, listen, we wanted we want Black Widow, we want to get. Agent Carlson back in there. We we need to, you know, we want we want Sam Rockwell to, you know, play the, you know, uh, um, get back in there and play Justin Hammer. Like I think maybe they were being a little ambitious off of the success of the first one and thought that, um, thought that they a had to do it. B, uh, they still were going to make money from the film, um, but it slightly missed the mark as far as story is concerned because there was just a little bit too much. Um, and, and the too much that they had just kind of didn't interest at least me in in some sense. You know, I love what Marvel does. Even this film trumps anything DC did <laughs> does, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's but you know what I'm saying. But it's still there was still something. It was just it it was just too much for what they were trying to do, and they should have just stuck to uh just a normal narrative that would have told the story just as well, but without all the cram, you know, cramming everything in it at once. You know, I think, uh, I think that's probably maybe probably a, a studio decision to do that, but you know, who knows what, how much power Favreau really had over the film. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure John Favreau had a lot of creative control, but not as much as he would have liked. Right. Hence the reason why there was a fallout between uh, him and Marvel Studios as far as the direction of the Iron Man films. Because I think he wanted to return for a third movie, but he saw what Marvel Studios had in mind and he wasn't he wasn't very interested. He was more interested in exploring Iron Man. He was interested yeah. in exploring Tony Stark. He wasn't really interested in integrating all of these characters, all these additional characters and making the the franchise all bloated just for the sake of building towards an Avengers property. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he would reprise his role and still be involved as executive producers and stuff uh, in subsequent films because I guess they made amends or whatnot. But he he never returned to direct another Marvel movie, uh, you know, because Iron Man 3 was directed by Shane Black. Right. So um, that, that's, that, that was a big deal at the time, man. That's Terrence Howard, Edward Norton, now John Favreau. So Marvel Studios were, they weren't, uh, they didn't have their their shit all together like the way they do now. No, they didn't. Because this is this is still Phase One, where they're still, they're 
their big payoff was the Avengers. Yes. So that was the end game. So that's why they wanted to just keep everything rolling towards that. That was their big payoff. And then if that movie was successful, then they would go and I guess slow things, slow things down in a sense mm-hmm. where they didn't have to make everything feel as forced because now you, you got to know the characters. So that's, that's why Iron Man two essentially isn't, isn't a, a great film. I wouldn't even say it's a very good film. It's just, okay. It's, right. it's an average, it's an average superhero movie. It's nothing average. special. Yep. Average. Yeah. Average. What I found funny was remember how we caught that Easter egg from the first movie of Captain America Shield, where it's yeah. just it's just in the background. It just oh yeah, 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 yeah. It actually plays a much bigger role when Agent Phil Coulson he comes into Iron Man's room because Iron uh, Tony Stark's uh, lair, I guess you could call it, and Tony Stark is just messing around trying to come up with a strategy to. I guess recreate the arc reactor. You know, he's trying to figure some stuff out. Right. Coulson comes in and you you clearly see that same shield that's like halfway done, halfway manufactured. Coulson goes, Oh, wait, you know about this? It's something to that effect. And he's like, You know about this? And Tony Stark was like, Oh, yeah, that, that's perfect. Like, hand me that hand that over to me. He uses the shield as a prop <laughs> yeah. to, 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 to fix something. That's and right. It's like, yeah, there was like no acknowledgement whatsoever. And I found that hilarious because I'm like, holy shit, like you know that Captain America's in this universe somehow. And they're just like they're playing with us at this point. Mm-hmm. They're like, Yeah, yeah, that, that's Captain America's shield. Like, use it to prop up that that all oh, that vehicle. <laughs> like, really? Man. Like, this is Captain America's shield we're talking about. Right. And again, so, it right. makes no sense in the continuity of things when you watch Captain America the following year. Now, 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 fellas, question, random question, right? Why do you think, uh, or, or, okay, not why do you think, how about this? What could they have done in this one? to make it just as memorable as a film as the first one where we would be talking about it in, 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 in higher regards than what we're doing now? What could have been done to save it? I'll give you a straightforward answer. A straightforward narrative and less characters. That's it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could have, you, you, you could have had War Machine. Iron Man and War Machine, that's fine. But, um, mm-hmm. And I guess Black Widow was okay, but I, I feel like if you would have just left it at Justin Hammer being the protagonist and, and maybe uh, Ivan Vanko, you know, without the old, without all the shield stuff, it, it would have been fine. Just a more straightforward narrative and less characters, and it would have yep. too soon. Yep. I sp- yeah, I spoke too soon. I spoke too soon. All that, 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 that last session only went seven minutes. No, we got too cocky, so we did get too cocky. We flew too close to the sun first time around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Iron Man 2 would have just been a better film if you would have had less characters, less subplots, and a more straightforward narrative. Mm. And a different Ivan Vanko. 
to yeah. laugh if I <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably a, a different different casting for Ivan Vanko. How about you, D? Same yeah. thing? Same the same thing, like you know, straightforward narrative, you know, change, you know, get Mickey Rock out of there and get someone who might fit the role proper. Make him make Ivan Vanko a little bit more menacing, you know, so we can like you know, feel like, you know, his evil intent, so to speak. Yeah. And just, just do away with all the extra subplots and stuff like that by limiting the amount of characters. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I, I, was, you know, thinking, I was thinking about who who could play a good Ivan Vanko. Like, if I had to, if I was casting, who would I cast as uh, an Ivan Vanko? And it would have to be one of those character actors that yeah. you don't really think of off the top of your head, but you're like, oh, I know him. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, those those character actors are you know, they're called character actors for a reason. Right. They're the ones that are, are best utilized in those kinds of roles. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, D, how you mentioned that he needed to be more menacing. Because I immediately thought about when they were at that Grand Prix event in Monaco and the in the first half of the film and he 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 seemed like he was no competition for iron man iron man took him out relatively quickly and easily and i get it you know because there was more to it as the film progresses but it was like really bro like he took you down that easy like like it was no there was no challenge yeah man yeah there was no challenge there was nothing there like it was it took him down way too easy there was no there was no pushback or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, was, it was, it was, I don't know. It was just, it, it seemed like a simulation game that he was like, that he was doing. You know what I'm saying? Like he, it, it was like he typed in a, a menacing guy and, and he created that and he beat him in 30 seconds. Like it was just, it was just, yeah, right. There was nothing, there was nothing to it. There was nothing to it. Wait, super, super sidebar fellas. But I don't know about you guys, but personally, I like, um, like, that whole Iron Man suit coming out of the briefcase—that's like one of my favorite. Like, yeah. like I like, like you know, watching all of like you know the movies as they progress, the Avengers. I love watching like how you know what new you know innovative, innovative way did Tony come up with of getting his suit on him and stuff like that. Like, if you really pay attention, like each film, whether it's his own film, standalone films, or he's featured in other films. He has this unique, dope way of the suit coming on to him or whatnot. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that crossed my mind, too. Like, he had it in the form of a suitcase. And I remember you and I were raving about it when we first saw the movie, too. Because he always, uh, they always seem to up the ante on how Iron Man, well, how Tony Stark uh, suits up in every every film, all the Avengers movies and, uh, you know, all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 cool. It's pretty impressive. One thing that you see clearly is that Iron Man Two had a a bigger budget, so they had a lot more money to play around with, and and the suit looks just as impressive, if not even more impressive than the first film. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, they, this time this time around, they had definitely a, more money uh, because I think you know, first movie, first Iron Man movie, John Favreau directing. You you know you didn't th- they didn't throw too much at it as far as movie. Uh, as far as money, but still killed it. Um, yeah, they did a lot more with the effects in this. Uh, the suit definitely, like you said, um, 
so yeah, I guess the first one proved itself, and the studios were gracious enough to give them you know more money to kind of play with and see what they could create. And it's it's a shame because uh, effect and visually visual wise, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. it's just I, you just wish that the story matched to have an overall great film, but you know sometimes you you know sometimes in these in these uh you know trilogies you always got that one bad apple you know what i'm saying you always got that one movie that's like yeah. eh it's okay you know you don't hate it but you don't love it it's something you don't watch on a daily basis you know anymore that sort of thing so yeah you know? but the budget was there the budget was definitely there yeah of course the budget was there and speaking of budget it made back its budget like yeah crazy because this film actually grossed more than the first one. It it's it's a weekend opening weekend. It grossed 128 million. We'll check those numbers. Yep, it was it was 128 million opening weekend, which was huge at the time. Because that that was we thought yeah. the first Iron Man was huge with 103 million, and this this uh, 128 million was you know that was that was an indicator right there that fans. Went, came on in droves because of the anticipation, but its domestic gross was three hundred twelve million, and worldwide it made over six hundred million. Wow! So, yeah, like yeah. people enjoyed it for what for what it was. Do you think they enjoyed it, or you think they were just hyped up from the first one and they were like, "Okay, I gotta see this." Like you, I, I don't think anybody. I don't think a a true Marvel. Or superhero film fan thought that that was a satisfying film in all in all stages. I think, oh no no definitely not. You know I just think it was just a you know Iron Man two's coming out you know and it just the buzz was there and it just killed it in the box office. It was just one of those films you know. Yeah, and this is the first Marvel Studios film that was just Marvel Studios because right. Disney had just required acquired them. So once you have the backing of Disney, of course, but. Here's the thing, though. That could have just been great opening weekend numbers, and it could have just declined rapidly afterwards. But the fact that it was able to break 300 million in, in North America alone, yeah, that, that says a lot. That means people, that means that people had repeat viewings of the film. That's true. You don't get the 300 million, 400 million without repeat viewings on the big screen. Yeah, and that just doesn't true. happen. Yep, that's true. I mean. You gotta. I I personally think it also had to deal do with like you know the special effects that we were talking about. Like people just loved how crisp the suit looked, and yeah, they people just loved how crisp the suit looked and how you know amazing you know some of the scenes were, especially the like the fight scenes. Like the 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 ending fight scene was a pretty dope scene. Oh, yeah. So you know, yeah, based off just based off of that, people you know were coming back like yo. Make the I don't really too care about the plot and the the plot subplots and storyline, but effect wise, it was it was nice. It was visually captivating. Yeah, yeah, it was it was visually good, and I, I remember um, watching it on the big because I, I saw it in the movie theater twice. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was it it looked great on uh, on the big screen. So you know, and that's that's also part of the reason why I made why any blockbuster movie would make that much money. On the big screen, it just it looks nice. It, it looks visually appealing. Oh, and it was, it was nominated for Best Visual Effects at uh, the Oscars, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, did, it definitely got a nomination. I believe it was for that. I'm, 
No, well, I mean that, that would that would be the only Oscar nomination, right? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> it ain't gonna be best supporting actor in any or, category. Best adapted screenplay or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, right. Like best director and <laughs> no way. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah, much... yeah. 2011 best achievement in visual effects. Okay, yeah, I figured because yeah, those were those those that CGI holds up even well by today's standards too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it holds up well, definitely. Uh, a couple of cameos that I enjoyed, obviously Stanley. You know what's funny? Stanley's his cameo. He didn't say anything. It was probably one of his shorter it cameos. Was quick. Yeah, they referred to him as Larry King. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He had the trousers, and they're like, "Oh, hey, what's up, Larry?" Like that was that was funny. Oh, uh, because you know, first he's playing yeah. Hugh Hefner, now it's Larry King. So you know, you know, he was having a ball with that. Oh yeah, and uh, Olivia Munn has a cameo because this was around the time when Olivia Munn was still doing like the game. She was like a game talk show host. Uh, she hadn't really quite blown up yet as far as like movie roles and TV roles. She was getting there, but not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a surprise. I like Olivia Munn. Yeah, I like Olivia so, Munn. Too, that, yeah. was, that was cool. Yo, um. Also, like there was a quick, quick little cameo of um Elon Musk there too when they were in Monaco. Oh, was it? Oh, what not? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, like now, you know how he's such a household name as far as you know with his antics and you know with technology and stuff. It's it's kind of funny, you know, seeing that. Oh shit, he was an Iron Man. Yeah, too, yeah. For like five. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, they they wanted to they wanted to bring out the the big guns as far as cameos are concerned, right? <laughs> you see, even with the cameos, it was a lot going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what 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 was probably the best part, or at least one of the top three moments of the film, that post credit scene. Holy shit, D! You remember this in the movie theater because nobody was really expecting it. I mean, you know. You knew that Thor was coming out the following year, but you didn't really know like they were going to set it up this way. And I think Iron Man, yes, we say that Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, those phase one movies were really the beginning of the post credit scenes and shit. But I think Iron Man 2 was really the first post credit scene that had like narrative, narrative credence and relevance to it. Because it shows Phil Coulson pulling up to a New Mexico desert and uh, he's on the phone with presumably Nick Fury and he goes, we found it, sir. The camera pans down. That's right. And you see Thor's hammer. And yeah. it, it just cuts to black. The whole movie theater went ape shit. I yeah. mean, I went ape shit. I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? How are they going to tie this? Like, he's the god of thunder. How are they yeah. going to tie this into Tony Stark's world? This is awesome. Yeah, that was dope, man. Like, I do remember, like, you know, a bunch of us, we went nuts when we seen that. When we seen Milner pan, and the camera pan and we seen Milner just in the, the stone like that, the screen went black, the theater yeah. went off. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty damn awesome. Yeah, that was because, exciting. That was exciting scene. Yeah, Iron Man and Hulk so far in this, in this phase one, they were grounded in the real, the real world, you know, the realistic world. Mm-hmm. Technology, you know, obviously, like the CGI, you know, you have to suspend your disbelief on that stuff. But 
it's just basically dealing with military and weapons and stuff like that. So it just piqued everyone's curiosity on how they were going to introduce Thor, which is going to be the next Marvel retrospect, how they were going to introduce something so mythical into this realistic world and, and still involve yeah. shield somehow. I, and I, I thought that was, that was pretty damn good, man. Yeah. That was, that was exciting to see, man. Like you said, it was probably one of the both, one of the, I guess, uh, most, uh, I guess the most exciting post credit scenes where, uh, you, you, you knew, you knew it was coming. Thor was coming. You just didn't know how they would introduce it. And when you see the hammer, it's, con- it's confirmation that, uh, th- that was next. So, um, really exciting, really cool scene. Um, had to explain to my wife what that meant. So it was, it was all, <laughs> it was all good. I had to tell her what the hammer was and everything. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know uh, what? <laughs> my my ex girlfriend at the time when, when we, uh, saw it, she didn't get it either. Yes. Like, you know, typical, typical female uh-huh. non-comic book fan <laughs> shit. Yeah. Where, you know, she she didn't really get it. Um, And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is, that's Thor's hammer. Like, if you don't know anything about Thor, like, he's the god of thunder and mm-hmm. he, that's the next movie that's coming out. So, yeah, it's it's interesting because for for someone, for anybody who's not uh into the, into the comic books, like, they just look at it like, okay, it's just a hammer stuck in the ground. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. You know, but once you explain the significance, then it's like, oh, okay, I get it. They're, like, building – they're building towards something here. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is this is the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe unfolding as we know it. And you really got a sense that they were creating, like you said, the universe, you know? Like, they were piecing everything together like a puzzle. Everything was going to come together. You just have to, you know, just sit and wait for each film and just, you know, just wait for it and unfold. And that's literally what they were doing, man. Each film did its part in some way, in some yeah. way. You know, in hindsight, I guess we'll talk about the. We'll, I, I'm, I'll, we'll hit up on this point when we get to uh, the Avengers, which is the culmination of Phase One. But if when you really think about it, apart from the first Iron Man. And the first Captain America, phase one is enjoyable and it's entertaining, but it's really nothing special apart from uh, that first Iron Man movie, the first Captain America movie and the Avengers film. Mm. Like it's really it's really nothing special, spectacular. The phases get better after that. Or, Or am I going crazy? No, definitely not. You're you're absolutely right. Um, the phases definitely get better after that. Um, the movies, the films you named for the phase one, I definitely agree. I, I you know, once again, uh, the first Captain America just I, definitely was not one of my favorites either. Uh, believe it or not, I it, it, it just wasn't. <laughs> I just felt like it wasn't entertaining in a way. Like I felt it was very slow, very bored, like very just one note, bland oatmeal type of thing like it was just like just bland just like it was tri- yeah, you know you know what? Just... A, lot of, a lot of people did feel that way though you know what i'm um, saying when the, man when the first just... captain america like i i personally walked out the theater not completely satisfied but i enjoyed it I, I i walked out the theater saying to myself you know what that was good that was an enjoyable movie and i liked it, it wasn't great I'm not going to sit there and rave about it like it's one of the greatest superhero movies I've ever seen. But it was a good 
old fashioned superhero film. Mm. And I liked it. Um, but you know, well, obviously we'll get to that later yeah. on when you know when we reflect on that. Because that's that's one of those interesting films where it's not that polarizing, but no one actually sits there and says, I love Captain America, the first Avenger. You know, you either you either <laughs> mildly enjoyed it or you just didn't really care for it. Right. Yeah. And that's you know I, what? I that's, agree. that's what I felt about Thor. As a matter of fact, I thought Captain America was a better movie than Thor was. But you know, that's that I will obviously table that discussion. Yeah. Totally agree. Um but yeah, like um as far as Captain America is concerned, like for me, because you know, honestly, like I definitely got to revisit it because, like, I've probably seen Captain America: The First Avenger maybe twice, maybe three times. So, like, you know, I definitely seen it the first time in the theaters, and you know, I remember leaving the theaters like, okay, you know, it was it was good, it was it was decent. You know, um, I wasn't expecting nothing too crazy considering the time period that it took place, right, right, and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I appreciated it for what it what it was. And I'm, I've probably seen it once or twice after. I remember um, a good friend of ours killed him, you know, Eric, a good friend of me and Lewis. I remember when he first seen, like, the, the trailer, he was he was excited to see it. But then when he saw the scene of Captain America, you know, leading the troops, and he had a handgun and he was shooting it, he was kind of bothered by that because, you know, he associated he, he associates Captain America, you know, he has this shield, he's super right. strong, he doesn't really use weapons and stuff. So it kind of turned him off to seeing him with the handgun oh, and whatnot. Okay. But, yeah. but I mean he's fighting in World War Two. So That's also yeah, true. you, you, know, you yeah. know what's fascinating? I, I can't wait until we talk about Captain America more in depth because there is something that's always stuck out in the back of my mind. It's always fucking bothered me. Uh, about Captain America in, a, in kind of a good way. Where did the Red Skull vanish off to? Is he going to reappear in <laughs> Infinity War? Seriously. like this, this, Very good. Very good. Yo, question. that shit's been in the back of my mind ever since that movie. When he vanishes, I'm just like, nah. Because, like, yo, he teleported. That means that, nah, 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 nah. Like, he's in another dimension. Like, they're going to bring him back at some point. They have to. And I'm just like, they yeah, never yeah. did. They never brought him back. But now, like, Infinity War and all these movies, they're, they're playing around with, like, the, 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 the cosmic aspect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Where is the Red Skull? They never actually gave that any closure. He might be recruited, man. He might be on – we might see him on, on – on Thanos, on Thanos' team, you know, Infinity War. Right? Like, Who knows? That shit would not surprise me a, at all. That's a possibility, man. That's a, I, yeah, that's a possibility. It would not surprise me. I'm telling you, it's always bothered me. Like, and I've seen the movie three times now, and I'm just always wondering it to myself, like, where did he go? Because, um, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, it was like he got transported because of the Tesseract, right? Or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. The, the Tesseract. Okay, so yeah, he definitely he's in a, a dimension somewhere. He probably he's ruling, or you know, he's he he took over a, a a different like you know part of space or something like that. Who knows? So it, it, I hope to shed light on that in you know 
Infinity War or the the following um film. Yeah, maybe maybe Doctor Strange found him somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Now speak speaking of Infinity War, guys, I I you know, I, Lewis, you made me you made me a little paranoid when you said you got your tickets already. Oh. So I'm checking around movie theaters in my area, and yo, almost all of them were damn near sold out. I found. I found a, I found the time in New Rochelle, uh, eleven forty p.m. Holy shit! Thursday, Thursday night. Oh shit! Thursday night. <laughs> wow. Eleven eleven forty. So I'm not getting out of there till like two thirty possibly. Damn, Keone, <laughs> I hate you because you're gonna do your 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 quickie on Instagram, I'm, and I'm just gonna be like, yo, damn it, I gotta wait another another forty eight hours. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm. I'm 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 very excited. So I I'm I'm all set. We all set. Yeah, now. that that that, that excitement is definitely in the air because you know that excitement is in the air when the Miz makes references to it on Raw. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like and then when teachers are coming up to me like, "Yeah, are you excited for Infinity War?" And I got I, well, my on my smartwatch, I changed my my face to uh an Avengers <laughs> Infinity War face. That's all Oh, That's nice. how psyched out. I uh, I'm I'm just like super psyched. Like I I don't know. I I feel like I feel like it's wrong to feel like this excited over a comic book movie. At I almost thirty. <laughs> almost. <laughs> it almost it almost feels like a crime. <laughs> Listen, man. This is but this is but Lewis. Think about it, man. This is what everyone's been waiting for out of. Since the beginning, the culmination of this entire universe. Yeah, it's true. We've been waiting to see this one film with everybody going crazy. Just crazy battle. Thanos coming in, doing his thing. Like, we've been waiting for this. And it, it's got to, it cannot disappoint. It cannot. It, it cannot. It cannot. And I'm, I'm, the whole I'm, I'm like, universe will be a colossal failure if this one film fails. I think I will. I think I'm gonna cry if I see a Ryan Tomato score lower than a ninety. Listen, man, I'm telling. <laughs> yeah, I agree. it's gotta get above eighty. It has to. Has. To. Yeah, you know what? I I have a good feeling that it'll like even if it doesn't score like a hundred percent or a ninety-five percent, I'm pretty sure it'll be somewhere between uh, an eighty and a. Uh, an 85 at the very least cannot go below cannot be 70 and below lewis cannot oh no no if it goes below an 80 then you know we're in trouble we're in trouble (laughs) we're in trouble that's unacceptable man (laughs) we're in trouble man it's good it's not gonna be good (laughs) it's not gonna be good it's not gonna be good yo josh Josh brolin is is he's having the time of his life right now he gets to be in what is probably gonna be the highest grossing movie or one of the highest grossing movies ever made and three weeks later, he's playing another popular character in another Marvel property. Yeah, so, probably going to make a lot of money on that one too. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Deadpool two is not. I, I don't think it's going to gross as much money as the first one because it's sandwiched in between too much competition. That's true. It, yeah, it really is, true. man. You like you got Infinity War before it. After it, you got Solo, a Star Wars story. Then in June you got Jurassic World, oh, uh, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. You have you have to, it's it's too much competition. The first Deadpool came out in February. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. I, there's not really that much competition at that time of year, so it's understandable why it made so much damn money over three hundred million. Yeah, so, that's true. 
There's a lot of competition. A lot. Yeah, I think because we shall see. Yeah, I think because of all that competition, though, we're gonna see like a real big spike in you know people going to the movies, movie sales, because oh, yeah. you know it was, it was at a record low at like what last summer or something like that. But oh but yeah, that, last summer it was yeah, I think it was a record low. Yeah, but this summer it's a whole different it's a whole different story. Like I, people are, between rewatching, you know, going to see Infinity War two three times, maybe even Deadpool two if it's good enough, seeing it two or three times, and you got Solo coming out, and yeah, there's gonna be a lot of people watching films two three times, especially Movie Pass. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah. I got I got my movie pass, bro. Same here. That thing is great. <laughs> yeah, I got my movie pass. Great. It's called the uh, the Infinity War Blu-ray when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the 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 digital copy. The digital copy attached to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's my my movie pass for for that. <laughs> hey man, hey man, join the revolution, brother. You 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 get yeah, there. yeah. You I'll get definitely there. get there for sure. Anyway, any final thoughts on Iron Man 2? You know, just that, I, you know, obviously it's too late now to wish for something, uh, for something else throughout the movie. But um, I'm glad it, 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 the addition of Cheadle, um, I thought, really elevated the film and the actor's caliber of all the films really well. Um, and you got you got to mind yourself, man. All these guys in these films are not like they're not scrubs. They're pretty. They were pretty well established. Yeah, they're, they're all um, A-list actors. You can call them A-list actors. Yeah, they were they were they were doing great films before Iron Man. Great projects. Um, and and before the MCU, you know, Marvel Universe. Um, so, you know the you know with. With the addition of Cheadle, you you really felt like Marvel was really going with somewhere with this and trying to get caliber quality actors to do something with these characters. So, you know, just overall, I'm just excited for Infinity, man. Infinity's gonna be tight. Yep, and it's it's gonna it's gonna put Iron Man two to shame. That's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, afterthought, if if that, but um. Yeah, I mean, the only thing like I would, you know, I do want to mention that was a part of our our points that we didn't bring up was um, Gary Shandling as uh, Senator Stern. Oh Um, yeah, yeah. I thought he was like, I just thought the 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 back and forth with him and Tony Stocks was was hilarious. Like, like I felt like it was it was hilarious. It was entertaining to watch. He's just like he's so sick of Tony Stark. Like he he almost he's so pissed off at him. Just like how his smug attitude is like he wants something really bad to happen to him. Like <laughs> yeah, I know. Rest, rest in peace, of Gary Shanley. I know, man. I know. But hey, yeah, you, know, he, you know what I like? The, the, sorry to cut you off, D. What I like is that he reprises his role. I completely forgot about Gary Shanling uh, being in being a part of the MCU. He reprises his role in Captain America Winter Soldier with oh, that whole shit. Hydra and Shield twist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's adjusting the uh, the button on on the or, or rather the pin on the on the on the suit. He's like, "Hail Hydra!" Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Good, good, good eye, Lewis. Good, good connection. I totally forgot about totally forgot about that. And in that scene, he was like, 
talking about how he was, you know, he's been dating like this girl in her twenties and she's wearing him out and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but some good things, man. Some good you know, Marvel has uh Marvel has treated the fan right, man. They've done as well. And uh, you know, it's just gonna be a continuation with this next film, Infinity. Um, you know, even listen, for what it's worth, Iron Man still did what it was supposed to do, and that was give us fresh, you know, fresh life with certain characters, give us the hopes and 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 anticipation for Thor. Um let us let us see the progression uh, production wise with the with the Marvel movies uh because of the special effects and the visual effects of the film um to show the power that Marvel still has in theaters with the money it made so Iron Man did its justice if it wasn't story wise there was a lot of other things that it did mm-hmm. that 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 helped further the uh the movement in this universe so I appreciate it for those for those reasons. Yeah, that's also why I appreciate it. And if you look at the Rotten Tomato score, I think uh, Iron Man is in the seventies. It's not like yeah, it's it's the, not like the critics just fully bashed it or panned it or hated it. They they just you know. Yeah, but, but see, but Lewis, you you see, but remember, man, we don't want seventies for Infinity because you see how we were kind of sort of <laughs> bashing Iron Man two and how Iron Man I turned know. out. Iron Man two. I know. Out. I know. That cannot be. That cannot be infinity. So, you know, seventies is good for that. Yeah. But we we cannot. We will not accept seventies. No, <laughs> no. This is the third Avengers movie. Uh, uh, no, no, no. We can for Infinity War. Cannot. We cannot accept anything under an eighty-five. I'm setting the bar yes. real high. Yes, I like. Listen, man, do it. I like it. You know, forget that. I. I want to stay away from Rotten Tomatoes and 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 critic reviews, but it it's just unavoidable. You know what I mean? Like you, as soon as you 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 turn on your phone and do a Google search or something like that, uh, oh, critics uh, lambasting latest Avengers film. You know that would be a headline, and you know it's so unavoidable, mm-hmm. especially yep. yeah, especially with our smartphones. Like um, I know personally, like with Androids, if they see. You know, if they see that you know that you like certain things, or you're visiting certain websites. Oh, they'll have art- as soon as you open your phone, there's like articles about all the things that you like or care about, like what they're dealing with. So yeah, yeah, it's just it's in our face. <laughs> like we can't avoid it. Yeah, man. Very true. Well, anyway, thanks so much, guys, for joining me on Marvel Retrospect Entry Number Three: Iron Man Two, which is in the books. And hopefully, yes, sir. both of you can join me on entry number four, Thor. Yes, the oh, god of right. yeah. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to revisit Thor. It's been a while. Yeah, I actually seen Thor probably like a month ago or whatnot, and you know, second, you know, rewatching it again, I I definitely I appreciated it more than I did when I left the movie theaters after I, I first seen it. But I'm definitely gonna give it another watch. You know, just yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'll revisit it over the course of uh, the next seven. Yes, sir. Man, really, anchor, you gonna do me dirty like that? Right, I know, right man. About to close. I know. <laughs> oh man, right when we're about to depart, it just—they—they—they they, they just had to cut us off. Just had to cut us off, man. They were not. They just—they're like, listen, time's up. 
Just keep it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, time's up. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Oh, but you know, man. the cutoffs weren't as bad because the last episode I was just really frustrated. It no, wasn't no. bad tonight. No, 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 not not nearly as bad. No. So for the listeners, in closing, be sure to continue following me on Instagram at AYNE Podcast. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, keep supporting me and AYNE, are United Entertained via Anchor. Trying to get this this up and running continuously. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, my, my goal is to, and I, I've, I think I've reached my goal so far, is at least one episode per week. Right. Um, you know, and, and if I could squeeze in another short segment, then, you know, I, I'll, I'll be able to do that. But those those AYNE spotlights, those I'm going to do more of once the summer comes because I'm out of school and everything like that. So I have a two a nice two-month break. So Very I'll be nice. able to just do like five to ten-minute blurbs on, you know, just topics ranging from wrestling to movies to music, pop culture, things like that. That's what the AYNE spotlight is for. So uh, just be on the lookout for that. And uh, any final plugs from you? Uh, at Scriptly Adapted on Instagram. Um, check us out. Uh, new content is always coming out. Our, our Scriptly Adapted cookies, our, um, our monthly shows. We're filming another show next week, uh, or a few shows next week. Um, so, yeah, man, just keep a lookout. Um, Scriptly Adapted. Growing brand of film reviews. All right? Keep a lookout. Growing brand. I like that. I like that yeah. term. It's a growing brand. That's yeah. right. Yes, sir. Um, also... Also, real quick, next episode of AYNE will uh, be will be reflecting on the superstar shakeup. It's going to be wrestling related, yes, but yes. we're going to be reflecting on the huge superstar shakeup, more huge for SmackDown than Raw. And uh, just talking a little bit about Bruno San Martino, rest in yeah. peace, who passed away today yeah. at the age of eighty-two. Just reflecting on his legacy and what he meant to the business of pro wrestling. So be on the lookout for that for uh, you pro wrestling geeks out there. Yeah, man. And with that said, man, uh, I'm out of here. You enjoy your night, sir. Yes, sir. Lewis, uh, pleasure as always, man. Another one in the books, my friend. Another one in the books. Definitely. Catch you on the next episode. All right, brother. All right, peace. Later. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Welcome back to AYNE. Are you not entertained? This is Lewis Mercedes, your host. Rest in peace, Bruno San Martino, one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. The absolute embodiment of what an icon is in this business. Sad to see him go, and his memory and legacy will live on forever. Keone Howard will join me as we talk about pro wrestling and the WWE superstar shakeup that's been going on post WrestleMania. We give our thoughts on whether the shakeup was a success, who benefited from the shakeup more, Raw or SmackDown some upcoming feuds we shed some light on the greatest royal rumble event coming up this friday on the wwe network from saudi arabia 
That's that event has a really stacked card, and I'm surprised that there's such a such a huge lineup, and there's a pay per view a week later. It's kind of a short turnaround, but in any case, we get into we'll get into that a little later on in the episode. Um, we'll also get into some last predictions for Avengers Infinity War. We're just a couple of days away. I'm super psyched. Read those first positive reactions, and I couldn't be more excited. So without further ado, Kyote Howard and I on some wrestling talk, Marvel talk, movie talk, all that good stuff. 